Welcome to Season 8 of the Leadership Educator Podcast, your source for knowledge and expertise on facilitating leadership learning. Passionate about leadership education? You want to expand your resource toolbox with practical teaching, learning, and program design strategies? This is the podcast for you. If you haven't done so already, please hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Welcome to the Leadership Educator Podcast. I'm Dan Jenkins, Professor of Leadership and Organizational Studies at the University of Southern Maine. And I am Lauren Bullock, Assistant Professor of Instruction at Temple University. In our eighth season, we focused on research and scholarship in the field. We've been asking the question, where do leadership educators go for research? We've talked to journal editors, editors for publications for practitioners, leadership scholars, and peer reviewers. Initially, when we interviewed Dr. Tony Andonaro and Kristen Salente Skendel about their leadership, it sparked an exciting idea for us. We were talking about the National Leadership Education Research Agenda, years 2020 to 2025, lovingly called in Lara, although I don't think we I don't think we ever solidified that, Dan. So one day we're gonna solidify. I said in Lara. I don't know if that's right or wrong. <laughs> Oh, no, I feel like we live in acronym land, so it should be <laughs> NLE, but maybe that's a later future episode. You do anyway, <laughs> it, was published, it was published in uh, the Journal of Leadership Studies, volume 14, issue number three. We're going to link in our show notes for anybody who wants to jump there already. But while we were having this conversation with Tony and Christine, we said, why not talk to everybody? We were thinking, like, could we pick a couple? Could we talk to a few friends? We, we just couldn't decide. So fortunately, we reached out to lead authors and contributing authors for the priorities and were able to get someone to talk about each one. And so this series grew out of that project. So as a, as a refresher, the research agenda as a whole was you know, created to provide a roadmap for future research and leadership education developed by quite a large group of leadership scholars and practitioners from various fields and across the globe. And the intent of the project was to guide researchers in identifying some of the most important areas of inquiry, developing research questions, and designing studies that would ideally contribute to the understanding and improvement of the uh, study and practice of leadership education. Uh, in the end, as Lauren mentioned, the agenda culminated in nine priorities that ideally will inform the future practice and development of the next generation of leaders. So today we're speaking with authors from priority number five, and we've got Ryan Satterthwaite, the Director of Service Learning and Leadership at University of Nevada, Las Vegas, and he's also teaching faculty at Claremont Lincoln University, and also Dr. Carolyn Cunningham, a chair and professor of communication and leadership at Gonzaga University. And that priority, the full title is Contextualizing Our Leadership Education Approach to Complex Problem Solving, Shifting Paradigms, and Evolving Knowledge. So welcome to the show, Carolyn. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yes, definitely. And Ryan, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for the opportunity. It's great to be here again. Yeah, it's good to see you as well. And looking forward to, although bittersweet, we have the Leadership Education Academy, the sixth iteration of that coming up in early, I guess it's the very, very tail end of, of July and the first week of August there in St. Paul, Minneapolis there. And for the first time ever, Ryan, you won't be one of our co-facilitators, but I will get over it. But you were with us all those years, one of the founding facilitators. And so definitely... We'll miss your presence there, but your legacy lives on, Ryan. Your legacy lives on. So, um, but 
let's jump into this particular priority. So I know that it was a pretty complex process that Tony and Christian facilitated. How did y'all end up getting involved in this project, you know, on a kind of a larger scale, but also centering it on this particular priority, uh, along with a pretty impressive group of co-authors? Well, thanks. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing Carolyn's journey to to come to the group, because I I think all of us had had a different story there. I, I don't recall how I first heard about the opportunity, but I know at the time um, some close writing partners of mine, Kate Sheridan and Whitney McIntyre Miller, uh, and I had been doing a number of projects together. And so we ended up submitting um, a proposal to the open call. Uh, and through the magic of matching and evaluation and synthesis, um, uh, Tony and Kristen were able to kind of see some connections between ours and, and other proposals, but I don't think any of us really came to the table with contextualizing our leadership education approach to complex problem solving kind of explicitly in mind. It was a uh, very much a, a, a generative process from there. I think we had uh, a team of people proposing around sustainability, proposing around AI and tech. Um, proposing around just a really wide variety of, of topics, which is ultimately how we kind of landed around complex problem solving. I'd love to hear Carolyn's journey too. Yes, that's pretty similar to my experience. I saw the open call and it caught my eye, uh, especially because Tony Andonoro used to work at Gonzaga. So uh, it, that was kind of a nice connection and kind of has followed his career. I followed his career and his work. Uh, so I was intrigued. Uh, I do publish a lot about women in leadership. And so uh, not as much in ge for general leadership audiences. So this looked like a great opportunity to kind of branch out. Uh, and at the time, uh, me and my co-author, Heather Crandall, were working on a book related to climate girl activism. And so we really wanted to kind of think through that complexity, that complex issue. How, uh, how are we preparing leaders and students to really address it and engage with it? Uh, so that's where we started and then was just so pleased to come together with all the other people um, who were the co-authors. And it, it really was a meeting of the minds in so many ways because we would have our Zoom meetings and people would just kind of you know, push the conversation further and really kind of support each other's idea and add to it. And so it was a, it was a really complex <laughs> process of writing. Uh, collaborative writing is always a challenge, but I was really, as I've revisited this piece, really impressed with all of the ways that uh, the, the hive mind came together in the end. You know, it's interesting that y'all mentioned that it started with AI and sustainability, but but it also makes sense at the same time because there are so many problems that we have that were we can't just you know turn around and ask someone who used to run this department or someone who used to be in this space um, with such advances in the world we're just not, like kind of I hate to say it woefully not prepared right and so when, as you think about your process and and you know like can you dig a little bit more into how you got from like all of these just seemingly disparate ideas in to complex problem solving is it like what were you seeing that was missing maybe in the literature around complex problem solving and then how does it encourage this research within the broader agenda i also don't want to misrepresent all of the diversity that did come to the table around this it wasn't just ai and sustainability i'm just failing to recall all of the different varieties of proposals and topics that were involved um in in the moment here but i, I think one 
the common thread did quickly emerge that complex problem solving was kind of one of the the core roots of a lot of the interests that were around the table um, that that uh, Tony and Kristen had had kind of seen a, 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 a common thread there across all of our individual um, or small group proposals that had been submitted. And so I, if I recall our process correctly, I think that that emerged relatively quickly as in, in our in our first couple of conversations as we were seeking to, to find commonality um, and kind of a, a common denominator to, to focus in uh, and and around um, for our writing process. And uh, it required some some new um, research, at least on my part. Uh, there were some some literatures that I wasn't familiar with in terms of problem solving, for instance. There's a whole body of literature around problem solving that that I hadn't uh, ever taken a, a, a deep dive into. Um, but that was necessary for um, for writing some of this. So I think all of us were stretched in some uh, unique ways once we, kind of settled on a direction and um, decided to 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 come together uh, around the concept. For me, in terms of application, one of the things that was um, really important to to kind of to wrestle with was uh, the idea of how are we effectively preparing our leadership learners for complex problem solving now, right? It's it's not about what they're likely to encounter 20, 30 years down the line in their career. It's that these are pervasive issues that um, spark uh, and require us to think differently uh, about how we're effectively preparing learners and leaders to respond um, now. And so I think that there was also a, a fair bit of, of urgency um, around that. So we came up with as one small piece of this larger article, um, one of the things I've revisited uh, multiple times since publication was we created this list of 10 interrelated learning areas um, that uh, we asserted kind of emerge um, from exploring sustainability and complex and other complex problems that might be a little bit different than how a lot of traditional uh, leadership learning has been done or what the, what it's focused on. I think the other thing that I would add would be um, kind of the global perspective that uh, the co-authors brought to the piece. Uh, I believe Elizabeth was really into the global mindset and Ariel was um, also interesting in system, interested in systems thinking. And I think that really kind of is where we landed as authors in terms of saying, well, now we actually, you know, you mentioned, Lauren, the idea about AI, you know, we have these systems, technological systems that can help and aid us in these process of thinking through these complex problems. Uh, for the good and the bad, it's so interesting because Ryan and I were talking on Friday about how just in the last six months, AI technology has really just taken off and, you know, dealing with a lot of um, new issues related to ethics and uh information processing. So, so, you know, we were talking about, you know, it's so still so relevant, but when we were writing this, uh, it was kind of in its early stages. And now we just see how much more complex the world has become. And so uh, I, that was something I think as authors, we really learned from each other, uh, bringing in the non-Western and indigenous perspectives that 
I think are missing in a lot of the leadership literature right now and, and opportunities to learn from that as well. From the way y'all are describing it, it almost sounds like you're kind of surfacing all of these things that we, we deal with, but maybe not directly in the leadership space and kind of centering them around this idea of problem solving. Like what are leaders doing when they're, they're encountering these things? Like Carolyn, we, we share the, the space of being in communication schools, right? And so when you're talking AI and, and, and global voice and all of those things, it's funny in my class, um, you know, we we all heard last semester regularly about ChatGPT. Well, some of the professional writing tools for students that will graduate from my major are similar to ChatGPT. And so our conversations weren't, um, let's not use it. It's, okay, so how does this actually fit into your process or your system when you go into your professional space and use it? Um, and so, so I, I feel like in that space, it wasn't for me to, to denounce it or deplore it, where I had colleagues across the university who were completely banning it because it was needed in that space. And it's how do we understand the nuances of the tool as we're thinking about the systems in which we teach and, and work and operate and, and how are we confident in our decisions and kind of stand on those decisions um, regardless of kind of what we do. So it feels like this isn't just about like teaching our students, um, those of us that teach like undergrad or grad, it feels like some of us like leadership educators have to learn too um, because the again, the problems that we used to deal with, we're not seeing anymore. We're almost seeing a different set of problems. Definitely, I totally agree with that. And one of the things that um, is interesting is the mindset, right? Trying to to have that mindset to be able to envision that, right? And so even though you might not know what is happening or what might happen, but to be able to know who to bring to the table and who what, what you don't know, right? And how to bring those people on board. Um, and also the practical focus of it, because again, Ryan and I were talking about some of the things we proposed in terms of, you know, partnering with global corporations and you know, for me, I know some of the climate girl activists that I've been uh, researching, they would they would not be on board with that. <laughs> so, uh, but but it is like okay, we need to actually find ways to work together, even though we're at such opposition. And and how can we do that? Um, I don't have any answers, but I know that's something that's like kind of floating around there. Yeah, I think I also just wanted, in terms of your question around you know the process of this particular group coming together and identifying a topic, I think of something about our process may have been a little bit different from the other priority areas in that the framing for for the calls for proposals here was explicitly around U.S. context, right? It's a national leadership education research agenda. Um, and yet we had, um, I mean, Ariel Sarid, our, our second author on this publication is from Israel, and we had a number and um, Elizabeth's, you know, perspective is very much focused on kind of global competencies and leadership. And so we had a, we had a number of interests and perspectives and settings that immediately was a little bit bigger than kind of the, the intended focus for uh, the research agenda. And I think the same holds true for any of us in U.S. contexts, but but focused on issues, global issues like sustainability. Um, and so we did a lot of kind of boundary spanning of our own in the process and challenged, kind of challenged the process a little bit internally um, because 
we couldn't write exclusively from a, a kind of a national lens. And I, I think that shows through in, in some of the content here too. Yeah. And I think anytime that you put out a, a research agenda like this too, you, you, the idea is to not do what you've done before, right? And whether it's a global reach or a national reach, uh, you still want to be informed by kind of a global pool of uh, emergent or potential methodologies. And I think y'all did a great job of, or the term that I guess y'all use is emergent methodologies in, in this particular priority of the of the research agenda. And you know, as I think about, I mean, the discipline of leadership is new, you know, 30 to 40 years old, depending on who you ask. Leadership education is even younger, but both stem from interdisciplinary influences, are being more informed by global influences, can certainly be viewed from a variety of lenses. And it's interesting that you bring up Elizabeth. Uh, so she's a faculty in my in my department. So I, I get an opportunity to work, work closely with, with her and we just finished. So we're recording this in, in early May, uh, but in April, we facilitated our first ever uh, comprehensive exams for our PhD students. We have a three-year-old doctoral program. I know, Carolyn, you, you all have one of the uh, oldest uh, <laughs> doctoral programs in the country. And so uh, Lisa and I were working on one of the components of this together, uh, one of the components, and I can I can say this now because they have finished their comprehensive exams. We will not be using this question next year. <laughs> but one of the case studies that the students had to analyze was it, basically it was the sustainability of a sustainability initiative between two different countries, one in North America and one in Asia. And it was really an interesting question that, and it was definitely steered heavily by by Lisa's mindset because she uh, so we call. She, we call her Lisa here. And so you could see pieces of this particular priority in there for sure. The global citizenship, the global mindset, uh, sustainability on a global scale, and really, really pushing the students to analyze it from different perspectives and also bring in, you know, the literature and, and everything. Uh, you know, they're in that state now where they're, they don't, they know more about the last three years of coursework that they've taken than they will at any other point in their life, right? Because <laughs> that's what the comprehensive exams are designed to do. And I, I definitely could see how and where um, this priority is is critical to the continued evolution of of our field. You know, I guess that's more of a statement and, a, and an observation, uh, just kind of reflecting on uh, something that happened really, really recently, and how I kind of see that showing up in our own study and practice as we are mentoring, you know, future uh, academicians in in the field. But I guess I'm curious for y'all, like. So that's what I learned, I guess, kind of re-reviewing this priority. What were some of y'all's learnings about yourself as leaders or scholars as you were doing this work? Well, one thing that I learned about myself is, well, what we kind of said was learning from other scholars. And so this idea of new materialism methodologies was something that was really new to me. And I see it kind of popping up a lot um, in my field of communication and uh, people are really thinking through what that means. Uh, and then also this idea about um, urgency and time and space um, is something that I've always kind of thought about because communication technology really does kind of bridge that, right? It, it, uh, it makes time speed up and it makes space closer together. And so for me, this was a great opportunity to to really engage in that in a different way uh, and learn from other people. Because I think sometimes we think, oh, we got to solve this problem, especially when it's about sustainability and climate. You know, it just feels like it's coming at us and we have to act. But uh, taking a step back from that and trying to understand how those methodologies themselves can help us work through that and work with our students through that, too, because there's a lot of um, anxiety among 
youth who are just feeling like it's hopeless and why aren't why aren't people acting? Why aren't the ones in charge, the leaders acting? Uh, and so trying to, to use some of those frameworks, I think is really useful. Uh, and I really learned a lot through that in terms of how I might uh, address my students and work with my students and deal with my own anxiety. Yeah, I, I learned so much. Um, first first and foremost from, from my colleagues, um, both kind of established and new in this process. And but I, I think for me, um, one of my roles was really kind of facilitating the group process. And I had written in teams before, um, but I had never written in teams that were newly assembled and didn't know one another before. And so that combined with um, the scarcity, like the, there was a very tight word count that we had to adhere to in this in writing this. And when we're wrestling with such big topics and trying to identify some, some synthesis between uh, all of these wide and varied topics, helping to facilitate the group process and being very precise in our, in our writing um, were two really interesting kind of newer challenges um, that I specifically took away from from this particular project, as well as learning about all the new topics from from my colleagues. Ryan was an amazing facilitator, I would have to say, because he just kept us on task and he was really able to capture what people were talking about. He did write certain sections um, based on capturing some of what we were talking about. And I was just so impressed because that was, you know, with this group of people, you know, we could just talk for hours and, you know, not meet the deadline. But I know Ryan was like, okay, well, we got to go from the up in the ethernet, right? Down to the, down to the, down to the real world down here. So uh, he was really great. at. <laughs> You're very kind. Thank you. It was a learning process for sure. It was up in the ethernet. I like that. I usually say like, you know, leadership can live up in the clouds, but we have to come down at some point um, from there. But I like that. I'm going to say we can live in the ethernet. Uh, I will give you your credit though, Ryan. Um, so, you know, I, it's funny because my my next kind of line of thought was was to ask about your experience um, co-author, because it sounds like you both kind of brought in your own co-authors. Now you're all kind of one big happy family um, writing. And so it, it's, it's wonderful, though, to hear how the stuff that we study and we talk about making sure our students know and, and learn and practice when they get out there. I feel like we're we're regularly tasked with like living and enacting those same principles. Like I've led committees where I start with, I don't call it an icebreaker, but I'm like, oh, before we start, like let's take an opportunity to just get to know each other. And and it's figuring, and I tell my students, you got to figure out how it sounds cool for you. Um, but it, it always feels like a good opportunity when you're able to live and practice some of the things you're reading about and teaching other people. It almost gives you, well, for me, it, it makes me it, it makes me feel good. I don't know if there's a, probably more technical term, but it's fulfilling because I feel like, I feel confident that as I'm sharing this with students, I can share recent stories about maybe where I failed or maybe where I've done a good job. But I, but I feel like leaning on some of the things that we practice is super helpful in, as we navigate this space. And so I love that y'all kind of jumped ahead and, and shared kind of how that meshed together um, for you, because I imagine it could be weird. Like you're like Ryan, you said you had established groups and you had new groups and you kind of know how the established groups work, but now you got to kind of get everybody. You're good, Ryan. I would, I would just add, Go ahead. Oh, Go ahead. I'll just add one, one thing to that is 
because Gonzaga is a Jesuit institution. And so we're always talking about discernment and, you know, practice, uh, you know, don't have presuppositions, assume, you know, good intentions. And so um, I really do try to like live out some of those through my work with other people. And it, it kind of has rubbed off on me. It's kind of fun. And it's nice that even those, those aren't the terms that other people in our group would use necessarily, but that is, I feel like the group how the group operated and was very respectful towards each other. And it was at the idea level, not at the, you know, ego level, which could happen. And, it, and again, that's a good part of leadership, um, being good leaders yourself in, in working on something like this. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, too, at some of the best writing teams or, or facilitator teams I've been a, been a part of, it's that selflessness and that just, you know, uh, want to just, contribute and be a part of the conversation and certainly experienced that working with Ryan my, myself, uh, both when we were doing the leadership education member community for ILA and then working as uh, as facilitators for for uh, for LEA. And so it sounds like he's continued that trend. So I love, love to hear that from, from others as, as well. As you all think back on the writing process and where we are now, so we're kind of right smack in the middle of the uh, years that the agenda is supposed to span, right? 2020 to, <laughs> to 2025, or maybe a little bit farther uh, past the midpoint. Is there, is there anything maybe we didn't ask you that you want to add to the conversation, thinking about what are maybe things that you hope scholars might catch and run with? from this priority or anything else? I'm going to struggle to respond because I want to try and represent the whole, uh, the entirety of, of the article, but I also have my own areas of, of passion and interest, right? So um, for, for me, you know, I, I have to be uh, honest and authentic here in that, you know, my focus is on sustainability um, and and climate change. Um, and it, it's, it's interesting to revisit uh, past works and publications talking about the urgency and and kind of asking yourself like can I point to new progress uh, or 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 new challenges that that have arisen um, and and I think it's it's a bit of both to to be sure you know I um, I'm working on an exciting project right now we're about done with it uh, editing a, a new um, forthcoming issue for new directions for student leadership, focusing on using the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals as a framework for leadership education and development. And on the one hand, it's really exciting, um, but there's a part of me that is, uh, is aware that we're coming to the party really late in the process. Like this conversation should have been much more vibrant and dynamic years and years ago, um, I think, to, to get us to where we want to be. So there's there's both kind of critical hope, but also a sense of kind of melancholy and, and like missed opportunity for me around the topic of sustainability, whenever I'm kind of taking stock of things and, um, and, and looking at what's been done in, in recent years. I wanted to hear more about this melancholy that you're... <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I I developed my I developed and taught a sustainability leadership class in two thousand and six. I think was the first time, um, and the conversations I was having with students then in that context is really different than the conversations I have now around the topic with students, which is encouraging. But I think there's just 
it's such a monumental challenge and it requires such a uh, kind of deconstructive and reconstructive lens on so many institutions and cultural norms that we're all surrounded by and living with every day that it's, it's, it can be an overwhelming task. And so when I'm looking back on, on kind of, you know, state of, of the work or of, of the field, um, there's a lot that there's a lot to celebrate, but there's just so much still to be done. I think students feel that way too, right? If we think about, um, you know, why has, why is it taking so long, you know? Um, and I agree with you that, you know, the conversations are different now, but I think there's more momentum in terms of the student population that they want this kind of education. They want this kind of, similar to at Gonzaga, we just uh, launched a critical race and ethnic studies minor um, based on what students wanted at our university. And so I think there's, I think there's momentum, maybe I'm less melancholy-ish, melancholy, I don't know what the word is, but um, I guess I, I, I'm hopeful that uh, people will respond at least in the education space, um, which can then kind of launch people out um, and, and the activist space, right? We see activists who are, you know, thinking about um, the SDGs. We did one of the girls in the book that I just finished is started her own um, nonprofit related to the UN SDGs. And she's from, um, she lives in Canada, but she's from Dubai and, you know, that's the work she does. You know, she goes and she teaches people in schools without walls, right? And so, um, you know, being mindful that this kind of education can reach people, not just at, in higher education, but in practice as well. I, I love, I, I want to continue to feed off of that uh, positive energy. I love it, Carolyn. Um, I, I think one thing, one source of hope that I do have here um, that I've seen, you know, rapid in, uh, development of or improvement of, of in, in recent years is I think what, what the heart of this priority is about, which is recognizing that regardless of what your topical focus is, if you're looking at complex problem solving from a leadership standpoint, it necessitates asking some deep questions about the ways in which we're effectively preparing learners for these challenges. It, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be sustainability. There's any number of um, very urgent contemporary focus areas that can lead you down the same path, which I think is really encouraging. And I've seen more of that conversation emerge in the since this publication. You know, I, I love hearing this dialogue because First, in my head, um, I have like so many questions. I feel like you know, part of me is is thinking like, well, I wonder why hasn't climate change felt like enough? And then in my head, I'm like, I'm sure there's a researcher somewhere that's like measuring feelings of change around sustainability. Like I'm sure there are all the things. Um, but but I also think about something I read in this book, uh, the New Age of Diversity, and in the he, the the author just talks about how we we're kind of overwhelmed and we lack resilience right now because of what we went through. And, and then I, I also picked up this book around um, unhappiness and how leaders have missed it. And so I feel like somewhere in this space, like climate change, I feel like, you know, people still are passionate and interested about it, but it almost feels like we all just kind of got knocked out and we're slowly getting ourselves back up before that 10 count 
you know, comes back up. So I, I echo, I, when you said melancholy, I completely understand. I have similar feelings around our advances in diversity. Um, but then I also feel like there, there has to be hope as well. Like you used to call it critical hope. I think I feel like those two are really good partners together and, and hopefully in, in five years, we're definitely in a better place than we are, or we think we could be right now. One of the um, concluding sections of the piece that we wrote was about future considerations. And so we proposed kind of looking at education from a cognitive, affective, and behavioral perspective. And I think that affective, Lauren, is what you're referring to. And I think that's the piece that um, that we need to nurture because it's so easy to be, uh, to have despair or melancholy or those kinds of things. but. Um, tapping into that, especially when it comes to complexity, because if we just think of problems just to solve as opposed to how they actually impact us on that level, um, you know, I think we can be more effective. You know, it's funny. It's it's interesting you say that because that's exactly what I was thinking of when y'all were having this conversation, that last piece of of the the priority. But but I will stop talking. I feel like we could talk to y'all all day, right, Dan? That's true. So yeah, thank you all so much for for sharing some time with us today. I definitely uh, did not feel any melancholy while y'all were uh, <laughs> on the uh, on the episode, and uh, and as Lauren said, I think we could we could really dive in here some more. And I and I do hope that our listeners really um, do consider this. And and there definitely is you know we see so much th- so many threads of activism and and mindfulness and global reach from our leadership uh, students. And so I think that there's a lot here that folks can take and take and run with. So, you know, again, thank you so much for taking time to speak with us about priority number five. We're really excited to share this episode and your team's work with our listeners. Discussion definitely provided some valuable insights into the importance of interdisciplinary leadership, sustainability, and other emergent methodologies and how they can be leveraged to address some of these complex challenges facing organizations and society as a whole. So again, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much. Thanks you. Do you connect with leadership educators virtually? Please follow us on social media. Search the Leadership Educator Podcast on LinkedIn to find our page. And find us on Twitter at Lead Educator Pod for episode release information, show notes, and upcoming events. You can connect with me on Twitter at Dr. Underscore Leadership. And Lauren is at M-R-S-L-A-U-R-J-B. That's Miss Laura JB. You can find the episodes wherever podcasts are available. We also encourage you to please subscribe at leadershipeducator.com and rate us five stars as the more you rate us, the easier it is for others to find us. We'd like to thank the James M. Cox Jr. Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership within the Grady College of Journalism and Mass Communication at the University of Georgia. The support was facilitated by Dr. Keith Herndon, William S. Morris Chair in News Strategy and Management. And our wonderful theme music was composed, performed, and mixed by Dr. Matt White, trumpeter, composer, and associate professor and chair of jazz studies at the University of South Carolina. Check him out at mattwhitejazz.com. Matt, thank you so much for sharing your musical genius with our audience. And finally, we are grateful for the support of two professional associations that are destinations for leadership educators, the Association of Leadership Educators and the International Leadership Association. ALE, which funded the start of the podcast, continues to promote our mission of continuing conversations with leadership professionals. Check out all that ALE has to offer at leadershipeducators.org. 
The global reach of the ILA has helped us to expand our listenership beyond our original borders. Check out the ILA's programs and resources at ilaglobalnetwork.org.